life. It's us. And we lived in the darkness of that belief. Just like the religious people, after thousands of years, still believed when Jesus came and he said, God is your father. That's who he wants to be. They said, stone him. It can't be true. He's a liar. He's crazy. Some said he's the devil. That's how crazy they thought he was. Because he said, God is my father. And he can be yours. No way. Never. You know what happened to the guy who first wrote this discovery that he believed that the sun was the center of our galaxy and the earth revolved around the sun? You know what happened to him? Well, there was a man who believed, came up with the theory back even before Jesus came and let me see if I can find his name here. Aristarchus, around 250 BC, came up with this theory, but it was completely and flatly rejected by anyone in his generation. No one believed him. And so his theory kind of died with him. And men kept believing they were the center of the universe. Yet the center of that universe was messed up. So messed up. People were killing each other all the time. Fighting wars. All kinds of darkness and sin. People were slaves to their own appetites. They were slaves to their own fleshly desires. They were constantly fighting and killing each other for land. That was the story. Their story. Yet they believed they were the best thing God ever created, the center of the universe. And yet, they didn't even believe that God could be their father. Instead, you know who they worshipped? The sun god. They worshipped the sun god and tried to offer sacrifices to appease the sun god. But they were still the center of their universe. What confusion? Have I confused you yet? Almost confused myself telling you those things. Then, in, 14, in the 1400s, there was a man who read a little bit about Aristarchus' findings, and he began to declare it. Nicholas Carpenicus. I think I may have pronounced that wrong. But anyway, he, he wrote a whole book saying, oh, we've got this all wrong, guys. The sun is the center of the universe. The earth and all of the other, everything runs in the orbit of the sun. But he wouldn't publish his findings because as he began to talk about this, they threatened to kill him. In fact, the Christian church back then was the Catholic Church, said, if he publishes that book, they will throw him out of the church. It's false. Wow. So you know what he did? 
He wouldn't publish the book until on his deathbed, when he lay dying, he told someone, there's the book, send it out. On his deathbed. Because he was so scared of the government, the known world, the church back then, the Catholic Church ruled the world. Later, in the 1600s, maybe 60 or so years later, Galileo had some courage and he started saying, I'm going to publish this book. This truth can't die with Nicholas. No, no. And at first, by then, people started saying, oh, okay, maybe it's true. And it grew into a debate, but it didn't last very long. And he was threatened to be kicked out of the church unless he would recant on this story of this truth, this theory. Not accepted at all by God's own people. Jesus came to his own people but they would not receive him as the Son of God. They rejected it and said, what you're saying is so false, you're blaspheming, we're going to kill you. Yet, he was the light of men. He was the center of the universe. All things that were created were created by him. And without him, nothing was created that was created. And Colossians chapter 1 tells us, In him all things exist, and he holds everything together. By his word, our lives exist. But we wouldn't believe it. Said, no way. Many thousands of people wouldn't believe it. And so, it took another many, many years, a couple hundred years actually, for men to really accept how God had actually created the universe. You and I now accept this truth and live in. They lived in it too. They experienced the heat of the sun. They experienced its rotations, its gravity force. They experienced... It exactly like you and I, but they simply refused to believe it. And so in their hearts, they lived in the darkness, unbelief of the reality of how God had really created it and how it really was. You and I can do the same with Jesus Christ and His truth in our lives today. Maybe not on a whole scale level like the population of the whole world did back then. But there can be areas of our life that when Jesus speaks His words of life, His word of knowledge, His word that comes with grace to change us and draw us into the very presence and relationship with God as our Father, we say, no, can't be that way. That can't be the reason I was born. That can't be the reason I exist. Jesus holds my whole life together. Then why did my eight-year-old son have to die? 
how can that be? Jesus who loves me and created all things for him. Why does a mother of five children have to die and the family be left with just dad and grieve and deal with all that pain and suffering? Why do you have to experience pain and suffering whatever your life has been all of us have experienced the scars and the pain of life how can a God who loves me that much allow these things in my life and so we choose to turn away from the truth that Jesus created and allows all of life to happen for one reason. The reason we were born. I want to read it to you in Romans chapter 8. Which is the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Jesus is our advocate with the Father. John, 1 John chapter 2. If any man sins, we have an advocate with the Father. That means he's our defense lawyer. Have you ever been drawn into court? And you knew you were guilty. You were speeding. You got a traffic violation. I'll use that minimal one. And you knew. But you were in a hurry that day. And I mean, we have a ton of excuses. The school speed limit shouldn't have been 20. Are you kidding me? That's ridiculous. 35 wouldn't kill anybody. The kids are over there in the yard. It doesn't make any sense to me. Not at all. Hinders me from getting where I'm going when I want to get there. Who came up with that stupid rule anyway? Right? But we were caught going 35 in a 20 mile an hour speed limit. That's the law. So we're hauled into court. And the judge says, What's your excuse? Did you not know? Yes, I knew. But the whole thing is to whatever your excuses are. But if you're there all by yourself, you probably won't stand a chance of leaving that courtroom without paying the fine. Right? And the more you kick and scream and fight it, the worse it's, your day is going to be. The judge may even come and give you the full extent of the law. But what if, while you're standing there, guilty, a defense lawyer stands up and says, Hey, judge, just a minute, just a minute. This guy, sure he's guilty. He knew it. But look, he was in a hurry that day. He's human. Made a, he, just, he made a mistake, right? He got caught up in his flesh. But you know what? I'll pay for the fine. I'll take care of it all, judge. And any penalties that he needs to pay for it, it'll be on me. Put it on my record. Erase his record completely. And the judge says, okay. And you go out free. It's not even on your record. It never happened in the books. You go out 
just as if you never speeded at all or made any excuse. That's exactly who Jesus is. That's what he does for you and me every day with our Father. He's paid the guilt of our sin, but not only that, he cleans the record. It doesn't get written down anymore. On the records, you and I have never sinned. Never. Not even one. Because Jesus makes intercession for us every day. What do you say to that? Ah, Jesus. Thanks, but no thanks. I'll deal with it myself. I know I did it. You don't have to do that for me. I'll wing it. You know? I'll go work. I'll pay the fine. When we reject that great salvation and we walk out or we walk through our day still condemned before God, not believing that Jesus actually paid all of my guilt, all of it, and he took it out of the record book. Then Jesus died in vain for you. He didn't die in vain, but you're just like those people who reject the truth of the solar system and continue to live in the unbelief, the darkness of your own heart that somehow you're the center of God's universe and the world is your world and you're going to wing it. You're going to figure it all out and you'll live in the unbelief. But this is the destination of why we were born. I don't want to miss this. And we know, verse 28, that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. What's his purpose? Look, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined, that's the purpose. You are on a destination to be conformed into the image of Jesus. To have the same relationship with the Father that he did. That he might be the firstborn of many brethren. That's our destination. That's your destination. Why do bad things happen to undeserving people? We live in a life that has been predestined by God for one purpose. That's why you and I were born to be made like Jesus, to enter into the same relationship that Jesus did with his Father. And to get to live the life he lived on the earth. A life that though people scorned him and didn't believe who he was and wouldn't receive it, he kept speaking the truth in love. Kept speaking it with grace towards all those even who rejected it. That's the life you and I are called to live. That's the life that Jesus died for. Not only to pay the penalty of your sin, but let's put it into the real context. You were brought into court and you were speeding, but you never had a family. You've been lonely all your life. You've walked alone, hopeless, just trying to work your way through life. 
A defense lawyer isn't done. He hasn't just paid your fine and cleared the books. He follows you out of the courtroom and he says, Hey, how would you like to come live with me and my family? Come, I want to invite you home to dinner tonight. Jesus said those words, did you know? In John 14, I stand at the door and I knock. And if any man opens the door, I will come into him and my father will come in and we will love him and we'll have dinner together. We'll dine with him and we're staying. We're not leaving. We will live there. Live in your body. That becomes his temple, his dwelling place. Not only does he pay for your past guilt, he now invites you and me to live, become a part of his family. Now you have your very defense lawyer, not only as a defense lawyer, but as your family, your brother. He invites you into the family of the very judge himself, his father. And that father becomes your father. you face life and all of its temptations and its struggles, you realize that this life doesn't consist in your ideas, in your life. The center of my life is now in God. His purpose for my life now fills my heart. And I yield to that. I've been adopted forgiven and adopted. He's the light that came to light every man in the world, every woman, with this truth. Will you continue living in darkness like the world did about God's created universe for hundreds and thousands of years? Or will you believe the truth and receive it in your heart? and be filled with the purpose and the joy of a loving Heavenly Father who paid all your sins, erased them from His book, and invited you into His family so that He can love, care for you, provide for you, and give you His work to do in His family. Take your whole life and put you into His family, His purpose for it. Heavenly Father, I pray that today, as you reminded us of this truth, that you would not only speak these words to remind us, but every one of us sitting here would hear your, your word in our hearts. And we know that we were invited today to come and live with you forever even now, today, to enjoy your presence, to believe in your truth, and know that we are loved. And we've been chosen by you to walk in this world even as you walked in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, um, since Anthony's gone this Sunday, uh, I'll just go ahead and close the service. But I thought before I just dismiss us, I'd give an opportunity for any one of you to share a testimony. If this truth has 
done something for you and you'd like to tell us about it, go right ahead. Take this opportunity. Yesterday, Katie and I spent the day with Brian uh, Glover and Cindy. I mean, not Cindy, um, Michelle. And, uh, you know, they're getting ready for their wedding in a couple weeks. Lord willing, they'll be married. And, and as I was, you know, we were relating with Brian and the kids. You know, it's only been uh, less than three years ago that the Lord took their mama home to be with him. And Brian and his five children have had to walk through this grief in the last few years and now are going through a lot of adjustments. Children getting a new mama, trying to process all that. And one of the little girls came and to Brian, she was crying. Brian and I were sitting there cooking some um, burgers on the grill last night and she said, Daddy, don't you miss Mommy anymore? And Brian said, yes, I miss her. Well, why don't you cry anymore for her? She was sobbing, I just miss Mommy. And Brian said, yes, honey, we all love and miss Mommy, but God is leading us forward, and now he's giving us a new Mommy, Michelle. And so God doesn't want us to always just cry for her, God took her home to heaven. And now God is so good to us. He's giving us a new mommy and he comforted his daughter. But as I, as I walked with the Lord yes, last night, just wrestling through these things in my own heart, the Lord reminded me beautifully of this word. All things were created for him and by him all things consist. This purpose, I don't get it. I can never figure that out until he calls me home and then maybe we won't even know all why God would take a wife and mother of five little children out of their home, take her home. But God only knows. The real purpose is that these little children's hearts would be drawn to Jesus and he becomes the center of their universe, not their mother. That wonderful truth gives me faith that I can trust in God with all my heart. And that faith in you and I, that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and believe like they, we live in that love, that he loves me, loves us, and everything is done for 
good. It allows us to rejoice even in things we simply can't understand in the pain we all walk through of our not understanding. See, if we understood perfectly, the pain would go away. But the pain is there so that we have to walk by faith, choose to trust Him. Anyone else? Okay, let's stand to our feet and we'll be dismissed in prayer. And um, Dad, would you dismiss us in prayer? Yes, Lord.